0: Well, good morning. Good to see you today. We are, as Steve said, so glad that you're here. What an exciting last couple of weeks. We actually were in here last week as well um, as we're finishing up some renovations on the on the platform on our Uh, in our sanctuary. And we've seen so many new people. There was so many new people last week. And so we're glad maybe you came back from last week. We are so glad you're here. We also see a lot of new faces today. Uh, Maybe you're here because uh, your family of someone we're baptizing. We are baptizing 12 people today. Isn't that awesome? That is so awesome. And so we are glad you're here. And if you don't have a church home, then we'd love for you to consider ours, but if you're plugged in somewhere, we want to say thank you and that we're glad you're here. And speaking of thank yous today, um, remember Pastor Jim and Leah, who are pastors here uh, since 1983, retired this year. And uh, because they're so amazing and because we love them so much uh, at their retirement, not only did they get a truck, but they also got a cruise to Alaska And they had a great time and they're actually with us today. And this is a picture from them to all of us to say thank you for the trip. And so Jim and Leah right over here, thank you again. And let's just give them a hand. So it's good to have them back with us and none of us are jealous that we couldn't go with them. I know. And so also, while we're on thank yous, last week I want to say thank you and the Wallace family who've been attending our church for maybe about six months or so want to say thank you. Last week, at the end of our service, we mentioned a need. It was a financial need that they had and we were able to raise the funds we needed to help them. And so I wanted to read just a quick thank you letter from them to our church Uh, Laura says church family I don't even know where to begin this last couple of weeks has been one of the most difficult times of our life I was feeling very alone and lost and I feel like I felt like God had left me the outpouring of love and support uh, with covering my dad's cremation has been a true blessing I had ran out of every option trying to gather the funds and I cried out to God and he used my church family imagine that to answer my cries thank you so much from the bottom of our heart, Laura Wallace and family. Let's give God credit for that. Amen? That is awesome. So I'm going to try not to talk really long today because we've got a big long list. We've got 12 people, as I mentioned earlier, that we're going to baptize today. But I was thinking about a little bit of what about I talked about last week, if you, if you were here or if you weren't here. I was telling this story in one of my thoughts about Jesus... And we're going to be looking in Luke chapter 15, if you have your Bible or the app on your phone. If not, we'll have it on the screen. I was telling this story about Jesus and the sheep. And I want to talk to you for just a couple of minutes today about the lost and found. Specifically, uh, what Jesus said about lost and being found. Um, in thinking about that story, um, my dad had cattle for many years and my father-in-law still has cattle. Cattle, And every spring, a lot of times, um, the, the cows will have calves and there'll be a lot of extra uh, calves around, obviously, because they're all having babies. And it's, you know, every once in a while, we'll gather them up and you'll notice that one of the calves will be gone. It just won't be there. And so as the owner of the cattle, you have to begin to look and try to find this, this, uh, this calf that's missing. Essentially, that's what Jesus is talking about in Luke chapter 15, uh, just for a few minutes today, as we think about, um, we're going to celebrate at the end of the service, people who have been found, as many of us have, and have the opportunity to be. But Jesus is talking about uh, this whole idea of, of being lost and being found and what it means. He's actually talking to uh, some tax collectors and uh, notorious sinners, tax collectors were people obviously that collected money from the people of that time and they weren't thought of very well. If you think of someone you know that maybe doesn't have the best reputation or maybe you might put yourself in that category, um, regardless of you know, whether you would or not, tax collectors were in that category. And, and you know, church folk traditionally didn't think much of people like that. And Jesus was trying to explain to them that they're people that we need to reach, not condemn. And so these tax collectors and notorious sinners would come together and they would go to the temple for church. They wouldn't come listen to the Pharisees who were the scholars. They wouldn't come listen to them. But you know what they do? They would go listen to Jesus. And in fact, that scripture on your scene says that often they would come and listen to the church, to the Pharisees. No, they would come and listen to Who? To Jesus. They would come and they'd gather together because they didn't know what they thought about all this church stuff. But man, that Jesus was nice and he was full of love and he was different than all those other church preachers and and judgmental people. So one time they were all gathered together again, all these notorious people that, that, you know, sometimes people look down on. And it made the church people and the teachers of the law, they started complaining. That never happens in churches, does it? They started complaining that Jesus was hanging around these sinful people. And not only was he hanging around them, but he would eat eat with them and break bread with them. And so Jesus tells them a story. He tells these religious people a story. And anybody else who was in earshot, here's what he said. He said, if a man has a hundred sheep, and if a man owned a hundred sheep back then... He was a rich farmer. But, uh, scholars say it was if you, own, you had between 20 and 200 sheep. So we know this guy was fairly well off. If a man who's fairly well off had 100 sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And then he doesn't stop there. He says... And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. And when he arrives, he's not just going to come into town and just arrive. He's going to call together his friends and his neighbors. Jesus is saying this to all these people. And then he's going to say, hey, you guys, we need to celebrate. Rejoice with me because I have found... This lost sheep, my lost sheep. Pregnant pause, And then he says this. In the same way that someone who's lost a sheep would celebrate when they find it. Remember Pharisees and religious people. There's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents. And returns to God. That's what we're celebrating today. Every one of us are born in sin. We're that one sheep. And repents and returns to God. Then over the 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. So there's three quick things today that we can learn from this passage of Scripture. Not only to celebrate the fact that we're going to be baptizing people today. But also for us to remember The first one is simply this. Jesus um, basically says lost sheep are a priority over found sheep. Lost sheep, in Jesus' mind, are a priority over found sheep. Let's read that together. Lost sheep are a priority over... I got to thinking about that. Why is that? Why would we leave the 99 and go search for the 1? Why would we leave the 99 and go search for the 1? Well, you know, again, back to that whole idea that I was sharing with you about the calf. The reason that we were looking for that calf is because it could drown. A coyote could get it. It could break its leg and die. Because the fact that the calf is lost... And there's so many dangers out there. It's imperative that we leave the 99, those who are strength in numbers, and go find the one that is lost. Jesus is saying the same thing in our lives. As a church, what's our mission? What's our vision? Not just our church, but any church that proclaims Jesus as Lord and Savior. Here's what he said. I value all of us reaching out And making connections at school and at work and in our family with people who don't know Christ. And telling them both with words and actions how we can be found, which is through Jesus Christ. Jesus prioritizes lost over found. Amen? Amen. When a sheep is lost, persistence... Is important. That's another thing that he emphasized. Let's say that. When a sheep is lost, persistence is... Look at this passage of Scripture. If a man owns a hundred sheep and one gets lost, won't he leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go search for the one that is lost? And here's how long we're told that Jesus says we're supposed to look. Let's read those words. Until... One more time. Until... That means that we don't quit looking. It means that we continue to search. It means that we continue to reach out. Those of us um, who maybe have been praying for someone. Maybe you have a child or someone that you know that you've been praying for. That burden doesn't go away, does it? It continues to be there and you continue to pray and continue. I think in my own life at times where... I wasn't where I needed to be with God. And I look back and see there were family members in my life that continued to pray for me and lay on their face and pray for, that I would have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because the truth is, when a sheep is lost, persistence is important. We see this in, past, in this passage of Scripture. And finally, we see this. When you find a lost sheep... It's a big deal. Let's say that. When you find a lost sheep, it's a big deal. And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. And when he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors, saying rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. Jesus is illustrating here that there's no greater celebration than for us to follow God and and heaven rejoices when we accept him into our heart. You see, we all follow the same path when we move from lost to found. Jesus says in the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God, who repents and returns to God than over 99 righteous who've never strayed away. You know, if you're in here this morning, every once in a while I'll have someone say, you know, I just don't feel like I'm on the right path, or I don't know how to find God, or, or, you know, what that even looks like. And John says this, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. Many times we hear people say that there, maybe there's many paths to God. But I want to tell you that the Bible tells us that there's one path to God. I wrestled with what to, what to talk about this Labor Day in light of this baptism. And the Lord just kept bringing back to me, just share the plan of salvation. You see, there's one way to God. Some might say there's many paths, but the Bible tells us there's one way to God. And that way is Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus, He died for you, and He died for me, and He died for your ancestors, and He died for your grandchildren, and so on and so forth. And when we put our hope and our faith in Him, it's not that He takes away every pain and every struggle in our lives, but He promises to walk with us. And we go from lost to found, and He begins through the Holy Spirit to become our conscience. And as we spend time with Him, our relationship with Him grows. And we begin to realize that our real purpose in life is not exploiting our strengths for our own pleasure. But to begin to use the gifts that He's given us to reach the people that He's put around us with the message of love and hope and encouragement. But there's also this message here that if we if we know that we're lost, there has to be a reason why we need to be found. I mean, what's the danger there? A while back we were on a camping trip um, with some people and there was a fire going right there. And there were some kids that were kind of walking around the fire and it made me nervous because I kept worrying that one of them was going to trip. And because of the, the situation, I, I warned my son Noah because I couldn't control the other kids. But I said you got to be careful. If you trip, you'll fall in that fire. And I share that story with you today because what we have to realize is is that if we don't have Jesus in our heart, we won't be able to go to heaven and we won't have a relationship with Him. The Bible talks about a, a place called hell. You know, I grew up in a church where they tried to scare you into heaven all the time and scare you away from, from hell. And you, sometimes you get in you know situations where all you hear is people trying to scare you. And I'm not trying to do that today. But what I'll tell you is heaven is a real place. And hell is a real place. And what we have to realize is as if we're lost, we're all born lost. Every single one of us is born lost. We have to understand what the what the what the terms are. What the terms are for being lost and what the terms are for being found. And that's why we celebrate baptism so much. Is because it's a symbol of a a commitment that these kids made with the Lord. And they're saying today publicly, they're saying, I'm following you. This question that you see on the screen was a question that I asked myself when I was in college. Because I'd grown up around the church, but I'd never really, really, it was my parents' faith, it wasn't my faith. And the Holy Spirit kept just kind of... not asking that exact question, but basically trying to draw me to Himself. And when I asked that question, if when I was finally honest with myself, I realized I am lost. You see, you can't just... coming to church doesn't make you found. Being on a church board doesn't make you found. Being around other people who are nice doesn't make you found having a perfect attendance here at church or or knowing scripture or reading your bible through every year or what all the works things that we can do it doesn't make you found what makes you found is recognizing that there was a man a god man who was born 2,000 years ago through Mary and lived a sinless life for 33 years and said, I'll do what God the Father asked me to do. And He allowed people to spit on Him and, and whip Him and nail Him to a cross. And Jesus praised these words, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And at some point, he said, It is finished. And they took him off the cross and they buried him in a tomb. And three days later, he rose from the dead and he defeated hell and he defeated sin. And as a result, when we have a relationship with him and we ask him into our hearts, we are found. Being a good person, I want people to tell me the truth. I don't want people to tell me what I want to hear. I'm going to to tell you the truth. Being a good person doesn't make you found. I heard somebody say one time, well, I don't like to go to church because there's a lot of hypocrites there. Well, where else are they supposed to go? The cross was for the person that the murderer... The pedophile. The hidden sinner. The the prideful person. The one who's the jock. The one who was bullied. The one who is doing the bullying. The one who's in credit card debt. The one who isn't in credit card debt. The one who's got their life together and the one whose life is falling apart. Jesus did not discriminate for who's on the, who He died for. He died for all of us. And when we ask Him into our lives, we go from lost to found. So my question today is, if you're not lost, are you found? Have you invited Jesus into your heart? Well, you know, I want my kids to go to church. I want them to go on Wednesday nights. I want them to get baptized. I want them to have those experiences. I'm not asking about them. I'm asking about you and me. Well, you know, I don't know what I need to do. I don't know that you don't have to know. I can tell you right now, the the thieves on the cross, they didn't know. But one of them said, I'd like to be found. Remember me. And Jesus said, today, you will be with me in paradise. Are you lost? You don't have to feel bad about that. You can fix that today by acknowledging that Jesus died for you. Are you found? Which means you've asked Jesus into your heart and maybe you're a part of this church or maybe you're here because someone's being baptized and you're a part of another church. But the Bible tells us that if we're found, we're supposed to be a part of the search and rescue team. If you're found, you realize what you were found from And you begin to search for other people. See, our foundness, if that's a word, will be demonstrated through God's love and action. And it won't be just Houston or some of those needs that we talked about earlier that we've given to. It won't just be flash mobs. But in your own life, you'll be saying, Lord, how can, I, how can I show your love to others today? Not in some big, great, attractive way, but just in the day-to-day. You know, the way that I speak to my husband, or the way that I speak to my wife, or the way that I treat my employer, or the way that I treat my employees, or the way that I treat my enemies, or the way that I treat those who don't deserve to be treated in a right way. Lord, would you help me through my actions to go find the one? If you're a part of the 99, we don't have to sit around and be proud that we're part of the 99. Our job is to begin to show God's love to the people around you and me. In this room today, not because I know anybody's story specifically, but just because there's so many in here. There's people that are lost, people that are found people that just want someone to acknowledge that they're here there's people in this room that they have a burden on their hearts right now that's so big they can't even hear what i'm saying right now because that's what's on their that's what's on their heart and what's on their mind and there's simply there's times where you just can't carry it by yourself it's too big That's why Jesus carried that cross. What can wash away our sins? Nothing. But the blood of Jesus. If you'd like to invite Jesus into your heart today before we celebrate this, it's not just for to baptize today, you can, you can invite Jesus into your heart. And if you do that, or if you've done that, at some point, we encourage you to consider being baptized. Jesus said that it's a public testimony to say that you're baptized. So here, if you if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, as we bow our heads and close our eyes. Or maybe you're not sure about your relationship with Jesus. You can pray a simple prayer. And here's the prayer. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Jesus, I'm a mess. Sometimes, Lord, I think I'm more of a mess than others, or maybe I think I'm less of a mess than others, but your cross tells me that all of us are a mess. And So, Father, today I ask that you would come into my heart. pray that you'd forgive me of my sins. Save me today, God. Lord, I pray for those who maybe are saved. Father, I pray that you'd begin to give them a heart of evangelism, to just reach people, to love people, to smile at people, to care about people. And Lord, we just celebrate today these amazing kids that have decided that you are who can wash away their sin. So I'm going to ask at this time, if you're being baptized, I'm not going to embarrass you. We're not going to ask you to say a bunch of things, but would you just gather right here in front of me real quick and just face me if you're being baptized today? Just come on up. Let's give these kids a hand as they come. Feel free to just spread out there. Feel free, guys, yeah, to spread out. I don't know where I heard this stat, but they said like 88% of people who come to know Christ do it before the age of 12 or 13. And imagine if Jesus, some of us who maybe came to Christ later, imagine the, the decisions you can save when God becomes the center before all those choices are made. So, this morning I just want to share with you real quickly what baptism means. First off, I'm going to read these off. Alex Johnston, just raise your hand when I say your name. Alex Johnston, Isabel Johnston, Jacob Wells, Russell Hudson, Kylie Womble, Akila Hawkins, TJ Casper, Haley McCann, Tori Coonrod. Addie Foster, Adriana Tartar, Olivia Dudenoff. Baptism is a special and symbol, of, a special and holy symbol of our relationship with Jesus. It's a witness to the body of believers that you're all in for Jesus. It's described in a big word called the New Covenant of Grace. And then Paul says, have you forgotten that when you join together with Christ Jesus in baptism, we've also joined together with him in in his death? So in just a little bit, you guys are going to be standing in the water over here. And when you're standing in that water, there's a lot of symbolism there. Did you know that? When you're standing in that water, you're standing there like we're all standing there when we're born. We're born uh, sinners. We're cute when we're born, right? And our parents love us and they... Everybody thinks we're cute. But you know, when you're, when you're little, have you ever tried to take a toy away from your brother or sister? What do they say? Mine, right? Throw a fit. That tells you right there, we're all born sinners. So when we're standing in that water that's hopefully not too cold, we're born sinners. But you know, when we, when your pastor puts you under the water, when you're underneath that water, it represents that you're dying to your old life you're choosing to follow Christ what did Jesus do for us didn't he die for us so when you go underneath that water that means that that you're acknowledging what Jesus did that you're going to choose to let God lead and when you raised up out of the water what happened on Easter do you remember what happened on Easter church he rose from the dead and you rose up out of that water and we're just going to clap for you that's what Paul's talking about there He says, now we also may live new lives since we have been united with him in his death and we will also be raised to life as he was. We're not perfect. Raise your hand if you think you're perfect, right? Nobody does, right? We're not perfect, but we serve a perfect God, don't we? And he's going to be with you through the hard times. And Some of you guys right now, I'm going off script, but I'm okay with that. Some of you guys... You're going to go through some hard stuff. In fact, maybe all of you will. Things will get tough sometimes. And I want you to remember that in the middle of those tough times, Jesus is with you. He goes with you. There's some things we believe as followers of Jesus. We believe in God, the the Father Almighty, that He made the heavens and the earth. And in Jesus Christ. Is one and only what? Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary and suffered under Pontius Pilate. I'm almost done. Was crucified and dead and he buried, and he was buried. He descended into hell and he took something. You know what he took? He took the keys. Yep, good job, TJ. He took the keys of death and Hades. That means that when we're depressed, but we're feeling, we're struggling. We don't have to feel that way because Jesus took the keys. That's not just for kids; that's for all of us. We don't have to live that way. Jesus took those keys when he, on the third day, he rose from the dead, and then he went to heaven. He sits at God the Father Almighty, and you know what he's doing next? When he's sitting next to God, he's saying, "Hey, hey, Russell, pray a prayer." You know, Russell. He lives in Pittsburgh. He prayed a prayer. He just asked me into his heart. So God looks at Russell and sees Jesus' blood and he calls Russell holy. He intercedes for us. And the Bible tells us that there'll be a time where we'll be judged. He'll judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Church of Jesus, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. So here's my question. Raise your hand if you're ready for me to be done with this. Yeah, right on. I'm ready to be done with it, and I'm the one saying it. But here's the most important part. Will you be baptized into this faith? If so, say, I do. I do. Isn't that awesome? Do you acknowledge Jesus as your personal Savior, and do you realize that he saves you now? If so, say, I do. Will you obey God's will and keep his commandments, walking in them all the days of your life? If so, say, I will. So we're going to change right now, okay? And we're going to sing a song uh, that many of you have heard. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but what? The blood of Jesus. So guys, if you'll go out that door right there, and let's stand together and sing that song as we change clothes. Go ahead and finish, go ahead and head out that door right there.
1: And what can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And all oh, precious seasons flown that makes. No Nothing but the blood of Jesus Not a good that I have done Nothing but the blood of Jesus No precious is a flow that makes I know Nothing but the blood of Jesus Is all my hope and peace, nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my righteousness, nothing but the blood of Jesus. And precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other bount I know. nothing but the blood of